Are you interested in starting your own podcast? I think Anchor FM is the best. Here's why. With easy and fast setup, you'll be a pro in podcasting right out the gate. There is no additional equipment to buy because you can podcast right from your phone, your laptop, or your desktop computer. Anchor has great editing features such as music and even splitting your podcast in sections. And Anchor does all the distribution for you to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google, and more. And the best part about Anchor is you can make money with no minimum listening audience. So, download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for coming to Sandra's Stenography and Shorthand Dictation. And I'm not going to forget my voice writers. So um, today I am working on or continuing the Jeffrey McDonald case. Um, I hope you are enjoying this. Um, If you are, give me a thumbs up and I will continue to do this. So... um, of course, I'm always just getting off from work. So we're just going to go ahead and let me get myself comfortable. And we are going to go ahead and get started, get it cracking, get it popping over here. So um, looks like I have someone. I better turn on the chat. I wasn't expecting anyone to be joining me this evening. But if you are, I'd like to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It is so great to have someone here sometimes just to... So I don't feel so lonely. A girl can get lonely over here because I see all these other channels on YouTube and they just like got thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. So um, I appreciate every effort that you guys put in over here. Thank you, Jennifer, for subscribing to my channel. I appreciate it. I see you. I left you a comment. Um, Let me see. Don't forget to like share, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications so you know when a sister go live, because I'm always going live on this channel. Um, When I first started this channel, I was so hesitant about, you. if you seem like some of my older videos back in 2015, 2016, you won't see my face. You will not. And only because I'm kind of shy. So I was like, I'm not putting my face. (laughs) I'm not putting my face out there. But of course, now I've become much more comfortable and um, just going live makes it so much easier for me to get this dictation out to you. Um, Quick, fast, in a hurry is what I call it. So thank you guys for all of your comments. You can leave a comment at the bottom of this video. I always respond to each and every comment. Ask Jennifer. Um, I also um, would like to thank you guys for the support. You guys have really been supporting this channel and there is nothing better for a YouTuber a YouTuber than support. That's a standing ovation for you, even though I'm not standing. So thank you so much. So um, let's go ahead and get started because you guys already know how this YouTube thing works. So what we're doing tonight is the testimony of Jeffrey McDonald. And um, this is pretty much, it just, you know, um, asking him questions and stuff. Um, This, he took this, um, this is during the grand jury for the murders of Colette, 
Kimberly, and Kristen McDonald. And if you guys don't mind, I would like to take a moment here and um, just slow down a little bit. And I want to take a moment just to, in the memory of these three people, let's just, just, just give a moment of silence, please. Thank you so much for that. I've been wanting to do that, but I kept forgetting. So I want to make sure that I did it on this video because we are speaking of three people that have been murdered. And I just wanted to give them a moment of silence. And as I did my moment of silence, I said a prayer for them. All right. So back to the dictation. This is the grand jury. Um, He's testifying before the grand jury, August 12th, 1974. Um, and it was Mary M. Ritchie. She was the notary republic. So I'll read this to you. I, Mary M. Ritchie, being a notary republic in and for the state of North Carolina, was appointed to take the aforesaid matter, which was heard before the grand jury, Raleigh, North, North Carolina, commencing at 1 p.m on August 12, 1974. So let's thank Mary for um, providing us with this great, awesome case. So um, I don't know if I should read off. I'm just going to read off. You can follow me if you want. You can type this if you want, if you're interested in typing names. But I'm going to read the list of jurors who were present. So Mr. Samuel S. Epperson, Foreman was presiding, and the following jurors were present. Gialda G. Smith, Mary L. Green, John Sutton III, Brenda Askew, Samuel Kennedy, Howard Edwards, Eugene Brown, Hartwell Whittington, William Roebuck, Hobart Singletary, Advil Wallace, Larry Cartrett, Leslie Autry, Dorothy Thaxton, Zoli Winfrey, Maxine O'Connell, Joseph Young, Joan Van Giesen, Katie Durham, William Arnold Lacella Wilson James Brooks whereupon Dr. Jeffrey McDonald having been duly sworn was examined and testifies as follows 
examination by Mr. Warhide. Question. Will you state your name, please, sir? I think. Give me one moment. I wanted to take my speakers out because I don't know what kind of sound they're making and I don't want this to sound all fuzzy. And I hope the beginning of this video sounds good as well. So we'll start over. Question. Will you state your name, please, sir? Answer. Dr. Jeffrey Robert McDonald. Oh, and one more thing. I will not be reading this slow. If you can type 120 words and above, you're good to go. If you're not, you can try. You can attempt. I'm not telling you not to write this, but I will not be reading this at a baby's pace tonight. All right. Sorry about the interruption. Let's go ahead and get it cracking. That's right. Answer. Dr. Jeffrey Robert McDonald. Question. Where do you live, Dr. McDonald? Answer. Huntington Beach, California. Question. Can you give us a street address? Answer. 16052 Marina Drive. Question. Dr. McDonald, this federal grand jury is investigating possible violations of various criminal statutes, which are a part of the United States criminal code. These violations include perjury, subornation of perjury, obstruction of just justice, murder, and assault on a government reservation. This is an investigative grand jury. This grand jury is conducting an investigation to ascertain whether in fact, during the course of an investigation conducted by the CID, the MPs and the FBI beginning February 17, 1970, there was criminal misconduct on the part of any of the personnel involved in the investigation or involved in an article 32 board of inquiry proceeding that resulted from that investigation. It is also investigating to ascertain if it is possible to ascertain at this time who committed murder with respect to Colette McDonald, Kristen McDonald, Kimberly McDonald, and who committed a felonious assault on Captain Jeffrey McDonald on a military reservation where the federal courts have jurisdiction to inquire into such matters. Now, as you know, there are a number of possible suspects with respect to each of these offenses. With respect to perjury and possible 
obstruction of justice, certain individuals have been pinpointed in the past. With respect to the murders, the, the finger has been pointed at various individuals. And one of the persons who has been a suspect in the past and who must be considered a suspect for the purpose of this grand jury proceeding is you, yourself. This since you are the only survivor of the incident that occurred on the night of February 16, 17, 1970. And no one up to this point has been identified as the person who committed murder, person or persons that committed murder and assault on that occasion. Now, under these circumstances, in view of what I have just told you, it is my duty to inform you that you have a constitutional right to refuse to answer any questions if you believe that a truthful answer to that question may in any manner or any wise tend to incriminate you. Further, you have a right to counsel. You may not have counsel in the grand jury room during the course of the grand jury proceedings, but you may have counsel nearby and upon request. You may leave the grand jury room and consult with your counsel as to any matter that is asked of you during the course of the grand jury inquiry. Do you understand what I have stated to you, sir? Answer, yes, I do. Question, do you have counsel? Answer, yes, I do. Question, what is his name? Answer, Bernard L. Siegel. Question, is he here at this time? Answer, yes, he is. Question, do you know where he is? Answer, in the adjacent rooms. Sir, I would like to request that he be allowed to be in the room just to hear the testimony. Question, that is not permissible, Dr. McDonald. Under the federal criminal rules, he may not be in the room. The only persons that are permitted to be in the room are the members of the grand jury themselves, the government attorneys who are working with the grand jury, the official reporter of the grand jury, and if necessary, an interpreter. But I take it that you don't need an interpreter. Answer, no, sir. 
question. But counsel is not permitted to be in the grand jury room. Answer. This would not be for purposes of raising objections or a matter of saying anything, but just to hear the questioning. Question. You may consult with your attorney and you may recount to him once you leave the grand jury room. What happened during the time that you were in the grand jury room? But he is not permitted to be present during the course of the grand jury session. Have you discussed this with Mr. Siegel? Answer, at some length. Question, did he tell you that he would not be permitted to appear before the grand jury while you are in the grand jury room testifying as a witness? Answer, yes. He said that probably would be the case. Question, so you are not surprised by what I'm telling you? Answer, no. Question, now, answer, are you going to start questioning me now? Question, yes, sir. Answer, may I have one minute with him then? Question, yes, indeed. At this time, Mr. Siegel requested of Judge Franklin Dupree a motion hearing which was taken in the courtroom. Present at this hearing were Judge Dupree, counsel for the government, Victor Warhide, Thomas McNamara, and James T. Stroud, Jr., also present was counsel for Dr. Jeffrey McDonald, Bernard L. Siegel, and Michael J. Malley. The court. The court recognizes Mr. Siegel, counsel for the witness, called to testify before the grand jury. Mr. Siegel, yes, your honor, court. I understand that you have some motions to make and I'll hear you. Mr. Siegel, does the court desire me to speak from counsel table? Court, yes. Siegel, thank you, your honor. If your honor please, the witness whom I represent is Dr. Jeffrey McDonald, who was summoned before the grand jury this afternoon shortly after lunch. Court, how do you spell McDonald? Siegel, M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Court, all right, sir, Siegel. At that time, Mr. Warhard, Mr. Warhide, attorney for the Justice Department, now one of the three councils here for the government made certain statements in the nature of advice as to the defendant's rights in connection with the grand jury proceedings. Mr. Warhide, your honor, I may point out at this juncture, there is no defendant 
This is simply an investigative grand jury proceeding. There is no defendant before the grand jury court. I understand that there is a witness and Mr. Siegel represents this witness. Is that correct? Siegel. Yes, sir. Your honor. And I understood that also and had made no reference to any defendant. Court. All right, sir. Siegel. I did say that Mr. Warhide had advised Mr. McDonald of what purported to be certain rights that be applicable in the proceedings such as being held today. In response to those statements or warnings, if you will, Dr. McDonald advised the government's counsel that he wished the presence of his attorney, myself, in the grand jury room during the proceedings. He also explicitly stated at that time that he recognized that only for the purpose of hearing his testimony and not for the purpose of objecting or raising any questions of any sort. There follows some colloquy, which I would like to discuss in a second motion that I will defer at this time. Dr. McDonald was advised at that point by government's counsel that they would not accede to his request for my presence in the grand jury room at that time. At that point, there followed a conference between councils for both sides where the government reiterated its position. And furthermore, the government rejected an alternative suggestion, which I think might have accommodated or obviated the issue. At that point, we requested a right to appear before the court at this, your honor, on behalf of Dr. McDonald, the witness before the grand jury. I am requesting that he be given the right to have his counsel present during the taking of his testimony only in these proceedings. If I may be heard briefly for reasons in support of that, perhaps it may be clearer. First of all, if your honor pleases, I am not, I stress, I am not asking for the right to be present, Dr. McDonald in the grand jury proceedings because I recognize full well the cases which have to, which have held to this juncture. The defendant does not have the right to be represented. 
This is not what we have asked of this court or of the government at this time. It is to the rights to my presence to hear firsthand my client's testimony before the grand jury. And that is necessary, your honor, not so that I might represent him, but so that I might fulfill the defendant and may have fulfilled for him his Sixth Amendment right under the United States Constitution to the effective assistance of counsel. This is, if your honor pleases, court. You spoke of him that in terms of defendant, I understand that he is still a witness. Mr. Siegel, forgive me, your honor. I must state for the record that four years ago, Dr. McDonald was the defendant in a full military court proceeding covering almost the identical issues at which at the conclusion of the longest military hearing of this sort ever held, the military grand jury concluded there was neither a legal or a factual basis to accuse him. I unfortunately am unable to shake that from my memory, but I am talking about him in the role of a witness. My point is, if your honor pleases, that reputation, which is prohibited and to which we acquiesce to be the standard of law would involve the right to question, to perhaps offer evidence and to participate in the proceedings. This is not what the defendant acts in this case, but the defendant has the continuing right under the constitution. The, the witness has the continuing right under the constitution at all times, if your honor pleases, assistance of counsel. He cannot in this case because of the anticipate length of the witness's testimony before the grand jury be effectively achieved by having the witness come out after each question and attempt at for a lay person to recite the questions that were put to him so that his counsel may at least know what is being asked. Secondly, it is even less possible, feasible or desirable to have the witness come out from the grand jury after each answer. And for the benefit of counsel, repeat verbatim the answer. And yet, absent my opportunity to know simply what my client, the witness, is being asked, what the witness is answering, 
I cannot render the constitutional uh, guaranteed right, which goes on outside of court, ongoing and throughout these proceedings and any related matters. I cannot provide him with the effective assistance of counsel. And in this case, the assistance of counsel requires, in my judgment, your honor, and requires in the witness's belief and judgment, the right for his attorney to be present. There are some special circumstances which further highlight the necessity for this assistance. The subject matter of this grand jury, if your honor pleases, deals with an episode that took place some four and five months ago that without a doubt was a long time to bring a witness in and ask the witness to go over in great detail, which is necessary and desirable to further this investigation, all the facts of that episode. We fully expect upon being advised by government's counsel and based upon our experience in the military grand jury proceeding in which this witness testified at length under oath and under cross-examination that his testimony took then a day and a half. We are being asked, if your honor pleases, to provide the effective assistance of counsel to Dr. McDonald without knowing and being able to counsel him <clears throat> based upon the questions and answers being put to him. You have the delay of four years as being a serious impedi impediment to his memory. <clears throat> but secondly, it isn't with just ordinary memory that you are dealing with. The subject of this grand jury is the slaughter of this witness's family and the near fatal assault upon his person by a group of individuals. And that slaughter is a matter, and I do not think it requires much for any of us to appreciate is not something that one is able to live with easily, except trying to accept the reality, but not trying to make it the only and ever present issue in one's life. It is, in fact, the kind of thing that one has to accept put back a little so one can go on in life. The government, now four years later, wants this witness to remember 
four years ago to deal with the deep emotions of the slaughter of one's family. And at the same time, deny him the right of his attorney to simply hear all the things that are being asked. Be dredged out of his mind. Not to interrupt. Not to question. Not to participate. Not to represent in that word. Which is prohibitive to him. But to really have my assistance. It seems to me. Those are special circumstances. Those are unique circumstances. And those require my judgment, your honor. The simple relief of permitting me to hear what is going on. I want to submit to your honor that it is within your power. It is within your discretion. If it is not, in fact, the matter of right. It is certainly within your discretion under the rules to allow this to take place. There is no case and there is nothing in rule six which prohibits. It merely authorizes, if your honor please, the government has the right to be present and represented in the grand jury proceeding. That there is a right to have a stenographer and it does not make that exclusive, nor does it prohibit any other persons from being present. The cases that I have talked about that issue are the defendants who have appeared, not the witnesses or even witnesses who have appeared, who have all asked to have counsel, have all dealt with a different issue. That is those persons that wanted to be represented and we say that what we are asking for here is not representation. That represents the argument and my request at this time, your honor. I do have a second motion, but I think perhaps best that I delay that until perhaps you hear the government's response. Court, very well. McNamara, if your honor, please, when you charged the grand jury this morning, you told them of the secrecy element that surrounds them. I reminded them of that when I went to the grand jury room. We go back to rule 60 and it specifically says who can be in the grand jury and it does not say an attorney for a witness. It says 
government attorneys, court reporter, the witness, himself or herself. We are merely operating under a federal statute that Congress has established and there are many cases. You can pick out Wright's book on procedure that we have here and find many cases supporting that position. We had this very point come up in a case of ours. It is not a reported decision where Judge Larkins wrote, quote, William Worthington Russell, six, the counsel for the witness before the grand jury asked to be present during the testimony of his client before the grand jury, close quote. Judge Larkins ruled that he cannot be present. That is just June 10th, 1974. I have a copy of this order here and I will be glad to hand it up to you. Court, I don't need to see it, McNamara. Basically, court, you say that's what he held McNamara. Yes, sir. He did hold that court, but he didn't have these special circumstances that Mr. Siegel called attention to. McNamara, I don't think there are any special circumstances. Time has gone by, but surely this witness, if he has been through this procedure before, has gone back and reviewed his testimony now that he gave it at the Article 32 hearing. It is not unusual that the man can't recall what occurred on the events. He is one of several witnesses that we intend to call before the grand jury. He probably will be able to aid the grand jury. Now, if we allow him to have his counsel, we will have everybody calling for attorneys to go in before the grand jury. Granted, Judge Larkins probably didn't have court. He doesn't want to, to he doesn't want to counsel with the man through or represent him or cross-examine the witness. He just wants to hear. He just wants to hear firsthand, McNamara. But that violates the federal statute. You put a lawyer in the grand jury and the witness will be looking at the lawyer for answers, vice versa. The attorney there, it is an outside element that you are introducing into the grand jury room. I don't think that you get the true picture that we want the grand jury to see. We want them to just examine the witness, all witnesses before the grand jury. I don't think that's the true nature of the federal statutes. I am sure Mr. Warhide has something to add to this.
court. All right, sir, I'll hear him, Mr. Warhide. There is no reason why Mr. McDonald cannot fully inform and brief his counsel as to each and every matter transpires before the grand jury. We have informed him that he has the right upon request to leave the jury room and confer with his counsel whenever he so desires. Your Honor, if we are here to establish a practice in this jurisdiction of permitting unauthorized persons to appear before the grand jury, the grand jury proceedings would be violated. If this grand jury, which at this juncture is an investigative grand jury, simply inquiring into the facts and circumstances to see if there was some criminal law violation. But if this grand jury were to vote an indictment against any person as a result of the grand jury inquiry, and there were unauthorized persons before the grand jury, it would be grounds for dismissing that indictment. And if it was not dismissed and it went to trial court, that wouldn't be so if this witness should be indicted and that person should be his counsel who was allowed in there by virtue of a motion made for that purpose and allowed certainly he wouldn't be able to attack the indictment on that ground, Mr. Warhide. The witness was informed at that time that he first appeared before the grand jury. Although he was a possible suspect, there were a number of other possible suspects with respect to the crime of murder. Furthermore, your honor, we are investigating other violations allegations of perjury, subordination of perjury, obstruction of justice. And if the indictment were to be returned by this grand jury and the secrecy of the grand jury were violated, I have no doubt that the indictment would be subject to dismissal. Court, all right, sir. Mr. Siegel, you want to be heard further on this? Siegel, without belaboring the subject, Your Honor, I ask your indulgence very briefly. Court, very well. Ooh. Wow, that was a solid, um, wow. That was pretty good. Uh, So that we are at 42.51 and um,
So um, that's it. There we go. About 30 minutes or a little over 30 minutes of reading to you. Please excuse my fumbling and falling all over myself. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just like, it's just like, I hate to make mistakes. I swear, I just be like, ah. But um, in real life, in the real world, guess what? People are going to make mistakes. People are going to fumble all over their words. People are just going to um, say things to you that may not even make sense. And you better get it down. You better get it all down. So um, instead of instead of apologizing for these little fumbles, maybe I should say, um, welcome to the real world. Welcome. Now, of course, you as the court court reporter will clean it up. You know, you want to make the lawyers look halfway like they with the school. So you want to clean it up and make it look all like, oh, everything just went on seamlessly. But in actually, actuality, in reality, it's not like that. So you will have to clean up um, someone's speaking or talking. And that's just the, um, the nature of the beast. Yes, it is. So, um, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all for supporting this channel. I uh, appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Yes, I do. And I thank all the new subscribers that have came. So, without further ado, I know people don't really stay long for these endings. They be like, mm, I gotta go. I got what I came for. I gotta go. So I'm going to let you go now. And thank you so much for coming to Sandra's Stenography, a shorthand dictation. We'll pick it up next time from where I stopped. Have a great evening, everyone. And as always, happy writing. <laughs>